If someone asks me what is the biggest reason people are single and can't seem to find their life partner, I'd say it's because they are emotionally unavailable and don't know it. In today's episode, I'm going to make sense out of this confusing topic, and I believe that what you will learn in the next hour just might be the reason you finally meet the love of your life this year. Let's get to it. Welcome to the Attracting Lasting Love podcast presented by CoachingWithRoy.com. You found the place where single adults come for mindful wisdom and insight into how to attract and create healthy, lasting, conscious relationships. And now, here's your host, the owner of CoachingWithRoy.com, number one best-selling author, certified relationship coach, and TV analyst, Roy Biancalana. Well, hello again, and welcome to another edition of the Attracting Lasting Love podcast. My name is Roy Biancalana. I am your host, and today we are doing part six of a seven-part series that I have titled The Pursuit of Intimacy. And you probably are familiar right now what it's all about, so just let me briefly say that this series of podcasts is about giving you the most practical, usable, down-to-earth essential wisdom that I can share to help you finally meet the love of your life this year. This is about me going all in and touching on the most important relevant topics that I believe people need to be focusing on if they want to create a healthy, sustainable, intimate relationship. So that's what it's been all about. And in week one, we talked about our physical presentation. In week two, we talked about our purpose or our passion in life. Week three, we talked about our social lives and our social skills. Week four, we took a look at our personalities and tried to identify what character trait or what personality quirk might be turning people off and pushing them away. So that was a deep dive into looking at some of the ways we can sabotage ourselves. Last week, we talked about really growing our sense of confidence and being comfortable in our skin. Okay, And all along, I've been thinking that depending on how many of these issues are hot button issues for you, it might lead to a complete makeover. Like a a complete redoing of yourself, an auditing of your entire life and making changes where you need to make them so that you can finally get out of the dating scene and meet someone and be in love with someone and, you know, just get on with your life and enjoy, you know, having a partner in your life. So that's what it's all been about. Now, I want to say because this podcast is dropping on February the 6th, and I haven't mentioned this for a couple of weeks. I don't want to spend too much time on it. But in addition to these seven podcasts that are all about the pursuit of intimacy, I'm also offering another step in support of you finding a partner. And that is, I'm actually putting together a group coaching program, a small group, like 15 people or so. And it's going to be a group where we meet on six consecutive 
Monday nights. We're going to do it via Zoom. And that begins Monday night, February 19th. Okay? Now, the reason I'm bringing it up right now is even though it begins February 19th, registration ends next Monday, February 12th. Okay? So you got less than a week to get in on this. Now, I'm recording this podcast a number of weeks in advance. So I don't know how registration is going. There might not be any spots. My guess is there probably still are a couple. I don't know at this point. So don't wait. Don't wait until February 11th. You, you need to get in on this. And of course, you register. Just go to my website, coachingwithroy.com. On the menu bar, it says boot camps. Click on that. takes you right to an information and registration page. But let me just quickly touch on why you should do this. Because in this group, you are going to get six one-hour group coaching sessions that will include some teaching from me. There'll be discussion amongst us. There'll be Q&A. There are going to be some homework assignments. So those six hours of group coaching are going to be gold as we dive into the most important things to focus on, you know, to find your partner this year. But see, in addition to the group stuff, everybody in the group is going to have three private one-on-one 30-minute coaching sessions with me. Okay? So you get the group dynamic and group teaching, group interaction, but then it's going to be just me and you on the phone or via Zoom, depending on where you are in the world, and we're going to be able to talk about your personal life, your issues, and especially how to apply the things we're talking about in the group to your specific situation. Because group teachings are fine, but what they lack is the personal application part because that's not possible when you're talking to a group of people. So I'm trying to give you both. I'm giving you a little bit of individual coaching and group coaching. The whole thing costs $499. That is an incredible value. Okay, the retail value is something close to $1,600 or $2,000 for that amount of time with me. Okay, so get in on this because I really believe if you do the group coaching program, along with listening to these seven episodes in this series, you are then doing everything within your power to, to meet and date and fall in love with you know, your life partner this year. Okay, So again, go to coachingwithroy.com. On the menu bar, it says boot camps. Click on that. Everything is right there for you. Can't wait to meet you in the group. All right? Now, on to part six of this series called The Pursuit of Intimacy. And today, man, are we going to talk about a juicy one. We're going to talk about being emotionally available. Now, I don't know if anything could be more important than this. Because, I mean, if we're not emotionally available to connect with someone then we could be in the best 
physical shape of our lives. We could have a passion in our lives that that makes us feel enthusiasm and excitement and purpose. We could have an amazing social life with amazing social skills. We could have identified our personality blind spots and be free of any self-sabotaging behaviors. And we could have that grounded, trustable confidence of feeling comfortable in our skin, right? The kind that makes us at ease, the kind that makes people feel like we are so approachable, we're easy to be with, we relate easily, people feel comfortable around us, right? We can have all of that going for us. And yet our love lives can be nowhere. They can be sabotaged. They can be non-existent if we're emotionally unavailable. So I want you to listen up on this one. And I want to ask you, are you open to the possibility that you might not be as emotionally available as you think you are? Because that's the big mistake with this one. Like of, of all the podcasts in this series, I'm willing to bet that the one that is listened to the least is this one. And I think it's because most people will look at the list of podcasts and the seven issues that we're paying attention here and say, you know what, that emotional availability thing, I got it. No need to listen. Now, if that's true, it's too late. You're not listening and I'm not talking to you. (laughs) But maybe you are listening You know, because you're a fan of the podcast and you love this conscious conversation and, you know, you're in the habit of listening, which is fantastic. By the way, I just found out this week and I just want to say thank you to all of you listening. This podcast is in the top 3% in the world. Yeah, I found that out. It floored me. I wouldn't have thought I would be in the top 70%. Right, but top 3%. Now, part of that is because we've done 150 episodes and we're still going. And longevity and continuing to post new episodes makes a big difference in your ranking along with how many people are listening. But I just want to say thanks, folks. I mean, thanks for listening in. And so you might be listening to this episode kind of feeling like, yeah, I'm listening, but I don't know if this is going to be my issue, but I, I still like listening to Roy. I learn things and it's great. So I just want to ask you, would you, would you check that? Would you at least be open to the possibility that you might not be as emotionally available as you think? And would you be open to the possibility that this very issue today might be the issue that has been keeping you single for years and you just didn't know it. That is the proposition I'm giving you today. That is what I'm saying is quite possible. You know, I always talk on this podcast about how we are unconsciously or unknowingly keeping ourselves single, right? It's, 
It's not that we just haven't met the right person yet. It's that we're doing something to block it. We're creating barriers, right? I think at some point in this series, I shared with you my favorite spiritual teacher quote from a guy named Rumi, right? Lived 700, 800 years ago. But he said, your task is not to seek love, right? He's like, your task is not to try to find a partner. He said, instead, it's to seek and find all the barriers within yourself that you have built against it. So that's what my work is all about, is not telling you kind of how to find a partner, although we will talk about strategy next week. But mostly my work is about how are you sabotaging yourself and you don't even know it? You know, you're in the car, you got your foot on the gas, you want to go someplace and you hit the gas and the car makes plenty of noise, but it's not moving. You're like, why isn't my car going anywhere? Why isn't my love life going anywhere? And I look over at you and say, well, because you got your other foot on the brake. The car won't move if your foot's on the brake. I don't care how hard you hit the gas. And that's true in our love lives. We want to find a partner. We are on this pursuit of intimacy. Why isn't it happening? Because in some way, and you might not know it, you got your foot on the brake. Well, when we talk about emotional availability, this may be the exact way you have been keeping yourself single because you are not emotionally available. And when you're not emotionally available, you can't connect with anyone emotionally. Oh yeah, you can have sex, right? You you can connect with someone, but not from the heart, not from a deeper place, not from a lasting place. You can have casual relationships if you're not emotionally available, right? You can have sexual relationships if you're not emotionally available. So when I say that you might not be emotionally available, that doesn't mean that you're a recluse. That doesn't mean that you never date, you never see anyone, you never interact with people. Not at all. You can do all of that stuff and actually not be available. And I'm maintaining that for many of the people listening, and perhaps you, that could be true for you. And that's what I'm, I'm, I'm kind of harping on this. Because nothing of what I'm going to say here coming up is going to land or do any good unless you're open to the possibility that I could be talking to you today. That this could be the turning point in your life. And, and I don't want to be too grandiose. But is it possible a year from now, 18 months from now, when you are getting married to the love of your life, if you might not look back and say, you know what? That podcast I listened to from Roy on February 6, 2024, that was the beginning and where everything changed because that's my intention about what I'm bringing to you today, that it can be that significant to you, okay? Now, let's talk what I, what, a little bit more about what do I mean by emotional availability, and like other things, sometimes we learn about what it is by talking about what it isn't, okay? So when I say emotional availability, a lot of people think that it's kind of the same as physical availability. People say, 
Well, I'm single. I'm single, so I'm, I'm emotionally available. No, 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 not necessarily. And people say, well, well, I'm social. I've got good social skills. I have an active social life. I mean, I'm out there. I do things. I'm with friends. I have activities and hobbies. And, you know, I'm not a person that just goes to work and comes home and goes to bed. Right? So I'm both single and I'm social. So I'm emotionally available. I'm like, uh uh-uh. It's got nothing to do with that. Nothing to do with that at all. You can be single and not be emotionally available. And you can be social and not your heart not really be open. So what does emotional availability mean? It means two words. It means your heart is complete and your heart is balanced. And I'm going to spend just a minute or two on the completion part because I've talked about this before. But I don't know if I've ever talked about having your heart be balanced. And right now, you don't know what I mean by that. Just hang in there. It's coming. But we can say that we are emotionally available first when our hearts are complete. Now, what I mean by that is that there's nobody else in your heart. You're not in love with someone. You're not in hate with someone. There's nobody in there. It's available. There's room in the inn. Right? I often say that your heart is complete and emotionally available. Like your heart is available for someone to come move in. There's room in here. It's available when you're still not wanting to kiss someone else or kill someone else. <laughs> okay? Right? In other words, you're not involved with anyone else. Physically, emotionally, or logistically. Right? I'm not still married. I'm not still dating someone. I'm not still in love with someone. Maybe I haven't seen them in weeks or months or years, but you could still be in love with them, right? You can still be pining after them. Someone could have passed away and you're still hung up on that. There's no shame in it. But when there's still someone in your heart that you love, that you miss, that you're longing for, there's no room for anyone else. Okay? But conversely, if there's still someone in your heart that you're involved with, but you hate them, right? There's bitterness, there's anger, there's resentment, right? They're still in you because you still have that energetic charge. So being kind of emotionally complete means you don't have an energetic charge towards someone, either positively or negatively. So this means you're sort of over your exes. You're not talking about them all the time. You're not bitching about them. You're not blaming them. You're not still wishing bad on them. You're, st- you're, you're still not just in ah and angst over it. And, you know, you've, you've let go of the pain. You've learned the lessons. And you're sort of free. Okay? So... That's an essential part. We're not going to talk about that much because I've done a number of podcasts on that because it's so important. How do you meet someone new when you're still involved with someone? 
And again, it doesn't have to be physically involved with them. They could be dead, but you're still involved with them. You follow me? So um, in this category, more than just I still am in love with someone, longing for someone, wishing for someone, wanting someone back, you know, hanging on to someone. Um, if you have a friend with benefits, your heart's not available. It's not as available as it needs to be. So sit with that. You want to argue with me? You can. You say, Roy, I, you know, I, I just have this person in my life, you know, that every so often because we're good friends and, you know, we're not really compatible, but we have good chemistry and, you know, daddy and mommy needs a little action once in a while. And, well, I'm not judging that as right or wrong. I'm just saying there is an emotional connection there on some level. It's never just sex, not even for a guy. And you are spending time there. It is satisfying some yearning in you. It is going to, it is going to, um, what's the word? I don't want to say soften your edge. It's, it's, it's going to deplete the intensity with which you would like to connect with someone because you're getting off with someone else. It's satisfying something in you. And on one level, you think that that's a good thing. Okay. It's satisfying some needs, you know, and, and that's kind of good and not really. Because you want to be hungry. You don't want to be needy or desperate or clingy or, you know, all that. But you really want to be yearning for someone. And when you just got laid the night before, you know, you're just in a different place in your body, in your emotions. So if you're hooking up with someone, you got friends with benefits, you better take a look at that. Because that relationship could be sabotaging you in ways that maybe you're not aware. I've just seen it so many times. Another one is if you're separated and the divorce isn't final, you're not really emotionally available. Now, there might be some weird case where something financial is going on, something weird is going on. We've been separate, separated for three years, you know, and, and so Okay, you could give me some sort of weird case where a person is not officially divorced, that they're still legally married, and say that their heart is truly available. But you're stretching on that one. You meet someone who's not yet done, and they're still in the process, and there's too many stories I could tell you where that comes back to bite you. Okay, so finish one relationship before you start or get into another one because you're just not really as emotionally available as you need to be if you're separated. And I might even say if you're newly divorced, I mean, you know, if, if you're, you're divorced, you just signed the papers yesterday, right? It's just new you know, we all know about the rebound issue 
And sometimes people haven't done their work after a breakup and haven't really reflected and they're feeling pretty lonely and scared to be alone, scared to be out there again. And they can latch on, we can latch on pretty quickly and we might not really be emotionally available even though we desperately want to be in a relationship. See, that's the other thing. Just because you desperately want to be in a relationship does not mean you're emotionally available. Okay? It, it really doesn't. That's in the category of, well, I'm single and I want to find someone. I'm listening to this damn podcast. <laughs> and not necessarily. Okay? So, all right, we've beaten that horse to death. Um, and I've talked about it before. So that's the first thing. You got to be complete with former lovers. Can't be anybody else in your heart, positively or negatively. But then you need balance. You need a balanced heart, not just a complete heart, or we could say an empty heart, right? You need a balanced heart. And what do I mean by that? This is something I've really never talked about before. I think I've talked about these subjects separately, but I've never tied them together. And I think you're going to find this really interesting and really powerful and perhaps eye-opening. See, being emotionally available means that you have balanced two specific necessary ingredients to have a healthy relationship. You are both open and boundaried. You have a balance between openness and boundaries. Now, most of us are good in one and weak in the other. Most of us are not balanced. I'm going to explain what these things are, but that's going to be the issue is how balanced are you? How easily can you access both of these places in your heart? I'm open. I'm available. I might define openness as vulnerability, trusting, seeking, believing. Do you follow me? We need to have an openness, correct? There needs to be a softness of our heart. We need to have our arms wide open in life, right? So we're open when we're comfortable being vulnerable, authentic, revealing, being real. We're open when we're comfortable handing our heart to someone giving it to someone, making it available to someone, showing it to someone. We're, we have openness when we're trusting from the get-go, right? I'm not saying we become trusting once we meet someone and they prove they're trustworthy. No, real openness is I'm trusting right now 
and I don't know who you are. See, real openness, trust is coming not from the other person and whether they have a character and behaviors that warrant our trust. Trust just bubbles up within us because we have an openness to life. We're trusting in ourselves that we'll be able to handle anything that happens, right? We can have our hearts broken, but we know that you'll never break me, right? So we have this sense that I can handle whatever happens and whatever happens is going to be for my learning. So whatever, however this relationship goes, yeah, it might break my heart, but it won't break me and it will probably make me stronger. I'll learn something about myself, about life, about relationships, about things. So this openness comes with a sense of trusting from the beginning of a relationship. I'm just open to you. It's a sense of, I'm trusting you until you show me otherwise. You know, versus the opposite, where you can meet someone, I don't trust you. No, no, you, you have to prove it to me. I, I, I don't trust you until you demonstrate that I should. Okay, that's very, very common. So this first thing that we need to have to be evo- emotionally available is, is this sense of openness. And we, we believe in people, right? We, we trust there's vulnerability, there's willingness, there's an openness of arms. But there's a danger here, right? Even as I described that, you can already feel there's a danger. Man, openness without any boundaries, ooh, that's risky, right? So you can't have just openness. That would be like you have a house It's got no doors and no locks. Anybody can just come in and out of place at their will. Come on in. Do whatever the hell you want in here. (laughs) The doors are open. There's no locks. Anybody can wander in off the street. Do whatever the fuck they want. Because you have openness without boundaries. That's a disaster. And there's a certain percentage of us that we lean to that side. This is usually the people that have the anxious attachment style because they want a relationship so bad. Come on in. Come on in. Right? I just, I, I want to connect. I, I, I want to be in a relationship. Right? So this anxious attachment style where I, I need to attach, I, I feel real lonely. I feel exposed. I feel separate. And so it's almost like you're jumping out of an airplane, you know, doing a, the parachute thing, but you're doing it tandem. So you are attached to the professional jumping out of the airplane, right? Because that attachment means you stay alive. If you lose your attachment to your jumping partner, you die. Right, So you cling to that person because you need it for your survival. Well, that's a little bit of an exaggerated way the anxious attachment style feels. I need a relationship, 
to fill the void, to fix the problem, to help me finish a story, find an identity. Like I, so there's a clinginess to it. And there's an overemphasis on openness because I need someone to come in the house to come be with me. Okay? So a certain percentage of us are very open and there's nothing wrong with being very, very open. It's just got to be balanced with some boundaries, right? So this is not about, you can't be too open. I'm not telling you to close your heart in specific ways. No, I'm telling you to open completely in trust in the universe, God, whatever you want to call it, in yourself. And you, you, you're you just going through life open and willing and trusting and believing that okay, you're fully that way, but you're also, you got boundaries. Okay. But see, without boundaries, here's what happens. Um, you know, the list of qualities that everybody makes to find in a partner. See, when you're on the anxious attachment style, you might, you might have a long list like written down somewhere or typed on a computer somewhere or on a vision board. But in reality, your list is very short. Like, like back in the day, because I'm an anxious attachment style. That, that's where I would fall when I get into ego and, and stuff like that. I'm not very good at being alone historically, right? I, I wrote a book that was about relationship addiction and it was kind of a memoir. It was my story. So I'm a recovering relationship addict, which means I'm not good at being alone, loneliness. And so I had a real attachment style and I had a list of qualities back in the day that I was looking for, but you know what? The only one that really mattered does she like me? <laughs> the rest of them would go out the window. Uh, okay, if she was good looking and she liked me, I don't, I don't, I don't care about anything else. You're in. Come on in. Doors wide open, right? And so that's one of the things that happens when your your openness is not balanced with boundaries. You end up with, in essence, a very short list of qualities. Because I just. Just I just want a partner. And, and so then what happens? This kind of person ignores a lot of red flags. They make excuses. They explain it away. They hope that they'll change. Oh, I, I, I think they'll grow out of that. I, I think once we get into a relationship, they're going to handle their money differently. They're going to be more monogamous. They're going to take care of their bodies. They're going to raise their children differently. They're going to do their schedules differently. They're going to stop doing X, Y, or Z, right? And we live in this hope. We have a fantasy. We're not in love with the person. We're in love with their potential or, or who we hope they become, right? So we ignore the red flags. We don't really address them. We explain them away um, because we're overly on the openness part and we have that anxious attachment style and you see the problems that it can create if you don't have all of this balanced by boundaries. But then there's other people that are not like those people. There are people that are 
overly kind of identified with the boundary side. Okay? These are the people who, and this may be you, where, I mean, you're not that trusting. You feel like you've got trust issues. Vulnerability scares the shit out of you. Right? Believing, opening, trusting, willingness. You haven't ignored a red flag. You know, you 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 find red flags where there aren't any. Right? You're you've got fear. Fear is running your dating life. Right? You're looking for something. Do you remember the, the old Seinfeld episodes? They were hilarious uh, because all four of the main characters were single and they would just nitpick everybody they started dating, right? The close talker and, you know, all the different, the, the funny, the, I mean, just incredibly funny episodes. And the reason they're funny is because so many of us could identify with setting the damn bar so high and being so, quote, picky. And, you know, disqualifying people and looking for reasons not to trust them, looking for reasons why maybe it won't work. So this is the opposite of this openness. This is a, a type of closure that's, that's based on fear. So like when you date someone who is the anxious style and openness, yeah, they will feel like they're a house without any doors. You just, they're soft. You can get into them. You can reach them. They will allow you in. They will embrace you. They will trust and be open to you. But the people who are more identified, their boundaries are so strong and they lack the openness those are people that feel like, man, their heart is guarded. They're suspicious. I feel like the minute I turn around, they're going to check my phone. You know, they're going to be doing a background check on me. You know, because they've been hurt. And maybe I need to stop and just say, if you're a person who is more on this boundary side, you probably have good reason. You probably were let down by people in your early life, abandoned, maybe there was abuse, maybe addiction, right? Or you've had your heart broken, people have cheated on you, lied, betrayed, gaslighted, ghosted, and you've just got some wounds. So I'm saying if, you're, if you've got trust issues, if vulnerability scares the hell out of you, you know, um, you probably have reason for that, but that will keep you single, Right, As I say, a wall around your heart, it will keep you safe, but it will also keep you single. Right, Nobody can get in to hurt you, but nobody can get in to love you either. Okay, So I just want to mention that no shame if you are more on this boundary side. Because again, that's what I'm maintaining. Most of us are too much of one or the other. Very few of us are the secure attachment style. What is the secure attachment style? I'm open with boundaries. I'm completely trusting, and yet I'm not an idiot. <laughs> and I'll get 
to this more in a minute. But there are very, very few secure people in the world. Don't, don't do yourself a disservice by thinking that you got this licked. Just don't. You wouldn't be single. You really wouldn't be. If, you, if you're in a secure attachment style, you'd be with someone. Because you would be open and available. And yet you wouldn't put up with things that aren't healthy. And you'd end up in a good relationship. People that have secure attachment styles aren't single. Unless the, the rare person, they're in a stage of their lives where I'm choosing not to because I'm focusing on doing something here or there. But if you, if you have a secure attachment style, you're not single. But if you have the anxious kind or the avoidant kind, you are having trouble in your love life. And this is the reason. Because you're so anxious, the doors are wide open and you're taken advantage of and people come in and do whatever the hell they want and you're you know, trusting to a fault. But if you're on this boundary side where you're overprotected, you're suspicious, you're guarded, you're looking for stuff, you're seeing red flags when there aren't any, you have that avoidance style. And I'm just saying you probably have reason for both. So there's no shame if you err on the openness side and, and you need to work on boundaries. Or if you got plenty of boundaries, you need to learn how to be more open. Because that's it, right? I mean, if you have a lot of boundaries, nobody can get in. But if you're, if you're wide open, you end up in unhealthy, codependent, dysfunctional dynamics. You see, so you, you need both of these. And most of us don't. We err on one side or the other. So when we don't have boundaries, or when, we, when we're too identified with the boundary side and the fear, right? It's like you're, it's like you're Fort Knox. I mean heavily guarded military installation where all of our nations, I think about half of our nation's gold is protected. You, you just can't get in that place, right? So it's like you're a nuclear power plant. You just can't walk in off the street, right? You can't get in those places. They are guarded. They're protected. And you, people can feel that. People can feel your closure, they can feel and they bump into that wall around your heart. They run into the guards at the gate. Halt. Stop. Turn around. The general public is not allowed here. Go back or we will fire. <laughs> okay. I'm trying to make a little bit of light of this because otherwise it's a heartbreaking type of thing because we do this to ourselves. We've had some pain from our past and, and it's created an over-identification with boundaries. And we wonder why we, we aren't meeting anyone. You're meeting people, but they're just feeling that big fuck you from you, to put it very bluntly. They're feeling you stay away. They're feeling your fear. And I just maintain that really good quality, secure attachment people they don't walk around with a sludge hammer. And they're not interested in breaking down your walls. I'm going to go to that 
person over there with their arms wide open. Okay? So when you've, when you've got this over-identification with boundaries, you've got the longest list in the world. I don't know if I shared this before. I think I did at some point, maybe way back in the beginning of the podcast. This is the true story. I once met a woman at a networking event. This is back when I lived in Florida, 2011 or 12 or something. At a networking event, she found out what I did and she's like, yeah, I, I got a list. I'm, oh, really? You know, so tell me about it. So, well, I, I recently met a guy. I have 92 qualities on my list. No, no, 93. And she said he met 92 of them and I dumped his ass. And she was proud of that because she stuck to her boundaries. She stuck to her, the qualities. She she had 90, 92 reasons to stay single. Right? She had this long list. What is the list? When it's like that, you're trying to you're just making up reasons for your own fear of commitment, for your avoidant attachment style. You're just trying to come up with reasons why, no, it's not me, it's them. No, it ain't them. The guy met 92 out of 93, and she still didn't say yes. I guarantee you she's still single to this day because she wants to be. Because she has no openness. There's no real emotional availability. She's all boarded up. She's all boundaried up. So people that say, you, you might ask someone like, why are you single? Say, oh, because I'm picky. Ding, 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 ding. That's code. That's code for my boundaries are, are overdone. Because pickiness is just your way of protecting yourself from getting hurt. Now, you might argue with that. Because I'm not saying you shouldn't, that you should go out with anyone, date anyone, have sex with anyone, that you shouldn't have any boundaries. No, don't hear that. What I'm hearing is when people are, I'm picky, I'm picky, I'm picky. You know, I'm 40, I'm 45, I'm 50, I've never been married, I've never really had a relationship. Well, that's because like Rumi said, you're pushing it away. There, there, there are single people everywhere. And you've got so many boundaries that's showing up and you're calling it, oh, I'm just picky. No, you're not picky. You're afraid of getting close. And your pickiness is just your excuse because nobody can clear that bar. So if I'm speaking to you, we need to work together. Because you need, we need to go on this journey from overly identifying with the boundary side to how do I find a balance? I'm not saying no boundaries, heavens, no. Then you end up like the person who's open and gets in dysfunctional dynamics and codependency and gets taken advantage of and, and deeply hurt. So I don't want the pendulum to swing from all your boundaries to wide openness and then you just get hurt. Uh-uh. It's about the middle way, right? The Buddhists have a saying about the middle way, meaning they recognize as anyone, any of us would if we look at life, that when, when we're on the extremes of anything, eh, we're in trouble. The middle way, the balance, 
the balance between boundaries and openness. And the avoidance style is heavily too much on the boundary side and you'll keep yourself single. And the openness is heavily kind of on the the open side and you won't be single, but you won't be happy because you don't, you don't have ability to say no. So then what really is the emotionally available person? They are a person that has both a yes and a no. That sounds so simplistic, but that's it. They say yes to life. They're open. They're responsive. They're pliable. They're flexible. They're believing. They're trusting. They're vulnerable. There's a big yes coming out of their eyes and out of their heart. Here I am. Yes. But right next to it is a big fucking no. Enough. That's not allowed here. That's not okay. So it's this balance between yes and no. You have them both. It's like there's two guns. You know how the old Westerns, they had guns on both of their hips. You got a yes gun and a no gun. I can use either one. They're both here. They're both equal. They're both important. You got to have both to be in a healthy relationship. If you got one and not the other, you're going to get killed. You need two guns. (laughs) Crazy analogy. <laughs> okay. Another way to say this is you got to have both vulnerability and fierceness. Vulnerability and anger. See, a lot of us don't have access to anger. We don't say no. We don't set boundaries. Oh, we're just easygoing. Oh, we just, we don't want to be a pain in the ass. Oh, we want to be agreeable. We want to be likable. And then you just kind of get your ass run over. So you, you got to have your anger. You, you got to have no, right? But if all you got is no, then you're just pushing everybody away. You're boundaried. You're like Fort fucking Knox. Nobody can get in. So you, so you got to have the vulnerable part. So you have the yes and the no. You have, you're both vulnerable and anger. They're both there for you. And really, most of us are not good at balancing these things. Most of us don't have access to both of these things. And then it's a whole nother trick. Once you have access to them, when and how do you use them? Because some moments... You need to let your vulnerability shine. And then other moments, you need to bring out your your no, your boundaries, right? So in every moment of our lives, whether we're dealing with our kids, coworkers, our bosses, intimate partners, friends, siblings, we need to have both of these abilities within us. We're comfortable with both. We own both. We're balanced with both. And then we, we, we are learning moment to moment, which one do I need to show here? And I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid to be vulnerable, to be open, to be playful, to be sensual, 
to be available. Come into me. It's like going through life with your arms or your legs spread wide open. Come fuck me. Literally, really. Come penetrate me. Come into me. I'm open to you, right? There's times when you that's the part you need to show. But then there's other times, other situations where you need to cross your damn legs and cross your damn arms and say no. Boundaries. So this is high-level, skillful living. But you, you, you can't you can't get into the arena of using these tools, you could say, unless you have access to both of them. And most of us are lopsided. We're not balanced. So first we have to incorporate either vulnerability, openness, or boundaries into our lives depending on where we're weak. Then we could talk about how and when do we use these. Does that make sense? One more little analogy here. When you're when you have this openness and vulnerability, like I said, it's like your arms are wide open. But when you're balanced, even though your arms are spread wide open, you're holding a sword in both of your hands. Do you feel that? That resembles a little bit of the old Hindu goddess Kali. But just picture that. Picture you as a man or a woman. Your arms are wide open to life. Come dance. Come play. I'm here. I'm trusting. I'm available. I'm open. But in both of my hands, I have a sword. Meaning, if something ain't right, I'm going to chop your fucking head off. I'm going to kick you in the balls and send you down the road. I'm not putting up with shit. Right? But again, most of us exude way too much, I'm not putting up with any bullshit energy and so nobody can get in. Or some of us, we're just so wide open, any joker, any liar, loser, lunatic can come into our lives and wreak havoc. Okay? So my question to you is, which one are you? Which side do you need to work on? Really? No shame. I don't know if I I don't know if, I don't know if I know of a person. Well, maybe one or two people I could say are probably balanced. Okay, but most no, no most of us are not balanced. So just be honest with yourself. Which one of these do I need to work on? And I'm not saying that you're awful at one of these. Oh, you just have no boundaries at all. Or you are so closed and untrusting, you're just ridiculous. No. I'm just saying, you know, if balance is kind of 50-50, maybe you're 60-40. Maybe you're saying, you know, I could use the I could use the work on my boundaries a little bit. How do I how do I do that with also not compromising my openness? Or yeah, I'm 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 pretty wide open. I love that about me. I I don't want to go through life not trusting. I don't want to go through life with my arms crossed across my chest. I don't want to live that way. But I probably do need to work on on boundaries a little bit because I have gotten myself into some dysfunctional connections here where I'm rescuing people or I'm enabling people or I'm getting taken advantage of or whatever it might be. So what do you need to work on? I maintain 
that if you don't work toward balance here, you will not meet your partner in 2024. You'll just, it'll be Groundhog Day for you because we just went through that, right? If you don't work on this, you'll continue with your either too much vulnerability or too much boundaries and you'll create the same dynamics. If, if your house doesn't have any doors and windows on it, people are going to continue to just come in and do whatever the fuck they want. But if you're living in Fort Knox, you'll continue to, and nobody comes toward me. Nobody approaches me. Nobody asks me out. Nobody wants a second date. Nobody, you see what I'm saying? You're, you're going to tell the same story next year that you're saying this year. Whatever your story is. So which one? And then the big question, what are you going to do about it? If you could fix this on your own, you would have. I spent about two years with a coach. If I could have fixed that shit without spending about $15,000 over two years with her, I would have. But I, I, I didn't know how to fix them. I was too close to it. So I, I needed someone to help me. So at a bare minimum, get in this group that I'm doing starting February 19th. Registration closes February 12th. At a minimum, do that. I mean, you get a lot of benefits of private coaching for a fraction of the cost. But really, you really want to make a difference here? You really want to move yourself toward a secure attachment style? Then you need to work with me one-on-one. I'll just come flat out and say it. Don't make a money excuse. Don't. What is your life, love life worth to you? Seriously. What if you invested in a few months of working with me and it ended up you finding the love of your life this year? Would that have been worth it? Of course it would be worth it. You, you'd pay, you'd give an arm and a leg to be with the love of your life this year. What's a few thousand bucks? Okay. End of rant, end of, end of pitch. I'm just here to tell you that you might not be emotionally available if you're too open or too closed. Too vulnerable, too boundaried. And you got to do something about it. Okay. Woo. Love that discussion. Now, next week, I'm going to get into strategy. I'm going to, I'm going to talk to you about here are the practical things that you can do. I mean, we've done the inner work now, right? We kind of talked about our physical presentation, our purpose, our social skills, our personality blind spots, our sense of confidence, our emotional availability. That's kind of all kind of the inside work on you stuff. Now, now since we're ready for something real, what do we do? And that's next week. And we'll see you then. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Attracting Lasting Love with Roy Biancalana. Be sure to subscribe so that you don't miss a single episode. And while you're at it, please leave a rating and review and share it with anyone you think might benefit from listening. Check out our website at coachingwithroy.com and tune in every week for more insights and wisdom on creating healthy, lasting, conscious relationships.